welcome to the underdog physicians podcast we are both practicing physicians in the us as underdog the deck always feels like it's stacked against us no matter what you do it seems more challenging to reach your goal compared to your peers and you possibly end up in an even more difficult situation we hope this will be podcast version of alicia keys underdog song Our stories and common journey have laid the foundation for the Underdog Physician podcast. Despite our struggles, we got to where we are now with persistence, hard work, and even more importantly, by surrounding ourselves with a nurturing community. This podcast is especially designed for the Underdog pre-med students, residents, and physicians who are in search of their great comeback story. It is also for anyone seeking to find a source of inspiration to beat the odds. We will be discussing medical school and residency application process, navigating medical training effectively, personal finance, work-life balance, and giving supra-therapeutic doses of motivation and encouragement. We will also be interviewing amazing physicians who overcame great odds and now are doing some very inspiring work. So no matter where you are in your journey, if you are someone looking to embrace challenges and find a supportive and nurturing community, then you have come to the right place, my friends. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Underdog Physicians podcast. I am Dr. Vidya Kalu with my co-host Dr. Anish Desai. We are so glad you are here and able to join to listen to a podcast while commuting, exercising, doing laundry or cooking or waiting in a line or whatever chore you might be working on while listening to this podcast. As many of you uh, already might be aware that med school application process is right around the corner. We are sure this must be an overwhelming yet exciting times for those applying. There are two different pathways towards becoming a physician in the US. One is allopathic and the other is osteopathic school of medicine. In this episode, we want to talk about what it means to be an osteopathic physician, dispel some common myths and challenges one might have to overcome to become an osteopathic physician. Osteopathic medicine was founded in the late 1800s to focus on body's innate ability to heal itself. Osteopathic physicians, also known as DOs, they consider the impact that lifestyle and community have on the health of each individual and they work to break down barriers to good health. They practice in all types of environment including the military and all subspecialties of medicine such as family medicine, obstetrics, surgery and aerospace medicine. DOs are trained to look at the whole person from their first days of medical school which means they see each person as more than just a collection of organ systems and body parts that may become injured or diseased. This holistic approach to patient care means that osteopathic medical students learn how to integrate the patient into the healthcare process as a partner. We have a perfect guest, Dr. Purvi Shah to discuss more about this topic. I'm so excited to have our first guest speaker, Dr. Purvi Shah. Dr. Purvi Shah is a board certified physician specializing in integrative medicine and osteopathic manual treatment. Dr. Shah attended Michigan State University 
uh, College of Osteopathic Medicine and finished residency at the Drew Medical Center in Los Angeles. Uh, and Dr. Shah has worked in a variety of settings from free clinics to Google's headquarters in Silicon Valley. She's a speaker and is currently teaching a course on how to start your own micro practice. She owns a solo practice in the Washington DC area. It's a privilege to welcome Dr. Shah's first interview podcast. Uh, and this is an, a more than an appropriate time, especially with a lot of medical students uh, uh, doing the meds topic to discuss and focusing on the important aspect of uh, how we can value our osteopathic colleagues, uh, especially in a healthcare system. Again, I'll be giving this analogy being a new mom, like it feels like, like there are mom and da dad in a family and like uh, it's important for the mom and dad to work along together to make sure the family system, like the healthcare system works to better take care of their kids, like the patients. Um, and uh, welcome Dr. Shah and thank you for uh, uh, being here uh, and being our guest. Thank you so much Vidya and Anish. Thank you so much for having me. We're happy to have you. Uh, we'll dive right into this podcast with our very first question, uh, which is, can you tell us a little bit about your underdog physician story? Sure, Anisha, I'd be happy to. So I believe that I knew at the around the age of four or five that I wanted to be a doctor after I witnessed the poverty in India on one of my visits there. But as you and your listeners know, it's a very long process. In my high school, there was an organization called Health Occupation Students of America. And through them, I was placed to work in a cardiologist's office who happened to be a DO. And he warned me multiple times not to be a DO, that there was so much discrimination that he faced by MDs, he didn't think it was worth it. But when I was in college, I was just drawn to the holistic philosophy of osteopathic medicine. And I like the tradition of creating these primary care doctors for rural communities. My college friends all told me not to apply to MD, only to apply to MD medical schools. And some even said that DOs are not real doctors. So when I got accepted to Michigan State University's osteopathic medical school, my friends weren't really happy for me. And that was really a shock. But in the end, my parents were very supportive. And so I went to osteopathic medical school and I can tell you, I have no regrets. During my career, I have felt like an underdog many times because I have faced some discrimination as a DO. And that's an inspiring journey, Dr. Shah. And it was challenging, like with friends disapproving your choice, but at the same time, you had support from your parents uh, encouraging you to pursue uh, the career choice of your a career path of your choice. So what advice would you give uh, someone whose parents or family members might not be accepting them of choosing to applying to osteopathic medical schools and if they really want to uh, take that as their career path? First, Vidya, I think you do have to be very clear to, to really know whether the MD path or the DO path is right for you. So maybe looking at the, the philosophies of both professions and to see which really suits your personality and your passions. 
And so maybe taking some time to meditate or to journal about what you really want, because you're the person who's going to be studying for hours and hours and years and years. And you're the person who's going to be in practice for so many decades. Honestly, it's one of the most important decisions that you'll make in your life. And if you decide to go to osteopathic medical school, you know, I think you can just explain to your family why this is important to you and why it fits you better than allopathic medical school. You can provide examples of successful DOs in your community, and you can just let them know that this is the best decision for you, and hopefully they'll understand. Yeah, that is a great point. I think it's such a personal decision. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there about pursuing a DO degree. So I'm glad, you know, you're able to, you're able to clarify that for us and, and share your underdog story. Uh, with that in mind, you know, as Vidya mentioned, with the application cycle uh, just around the corner, what advice do you have on uh, potential uh, applicants, you know, when they're comparing MD versus DO program? Sure. Um, so I would recommend reading about the philosophy of the profession and also reading about the founder, Dr. Andrew Taylor Still, um, and why he created osteopathy. It's a very interesting story. He was um, basically uh, had many children who died. Um, this was back in the 1870s, and he was looking for a way to help his children, a holistic way, because medicine wasn't working. And so um, that's one thing is to kind of read about the profession and meet some local DOs in your community. Um, see if you can maybe shadow them for a day or two, ask your questions. You can visit osteopathic medical schools, talk to the students who are at the medical schools. Um, and I think all of that, if you do that, you'll, you'll know if it's the right profession for you. And that's a valuable piece of advice, uh, Dr. Shah. And you have put in practice by uh, like following one of the DO uh, attendings yourself when you were uh, early on in your care, uh, even before you got into medical school. Um, and uh, again, uh, with medicine getting more complex and complex each day with more complex diagnosis, and we, we are moving towards like personalized medicine, and it's very important that uh, we take into consideration the holistic approach of approaching a patient. And it's sometimes not just the allopathic medicine that can uh, fix all this chronic lifestyle problems. And definitely there is much more a uh, role for integrating osteopathic medicine into the healthcare system. Uh, and like, at least from my experience, like uh, from being a medical student from India, I can't speak for that, but at least uh, with allopathic uh, school, it's mainly the curriculum is based on teaching you the technical aspects of it. But I see my osteopathic colleagues, they're very well equipped with how to approach a patient in a holistic manner. So I guess this must be more of a training than just going into uh, allopathic medical school. So how was uh, osteopathic a medical school training for you and what were the challenges that you had and how did you overcome them? Sure, Vidya. So I, I have to be honest, osteopathic medical school was a lot of hard work. Any medical school is hard work, right? 
So um, Michigan State University has both an MD medical school, an allopathic medical school, and a DO medical school, an osteopathic school on their campus. So uh, me and my uh, MD classmates took our classes together. The DOs, we had extra hours of class each week where we learned OMT, which is the osteopathic manual treatment. Um, and one of the main philosophies of DOs is that the body can inherently heal itself, that it has self-healing mechanisms and that it can actually heal itself. So with that philosophy um, uh, in mind, I was able to, uh, that was what I loved about osteopathic medicine and that's what I believed in. Uh, in terms of uh, how hard it was, I had to be very efficient and very disciplined. And um, I knew I had to take care of myself. Um, a lot of our attend, uh, professors had told us that, you know, make sure you take care of yourself during medical school. So I made sure I got eight hours of sleep. I would, uh, at that time, had exercise videos that I would do every morning for 30 minutes. And if I had extra time, I would try to have fun. It's not always easy to find that time, but I, we would try to sneak it in with um, you know, our classmates as much as we can. So I, I, it, as hard as it is, I believe that anyone can do it, but you just need to develop a system of discipline and efficiency. That's what got me. Dr. Shah, you made a very good point about uh, discipline and being efficient, uh, you know, which are definitely key traits of having a successful career in medicine, as well as being able to, uh, you know, get through residency and all the grueling hours that you have to go through. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey um, with medical residency, as well as some of the hardships you faced after that as an attending, um, especially being that you specialized, um, you know, in, in, uh, as specialized as a doctor of osteopathy? Sure. So I'll be honest, I faced many hardships <laughs> during my career. Um, the one that sticks out the most is being denied work. So I was turned on for jobs at UCLA and Cedars-Sinai hospitals because I was a DO, even though after residency, I chose to take both the MD and DO family medicine boards and pass both. So um, there was no reason for them to think that I was um, not qualified. And not to mention it is illegal to discriminate against DOs. But honestly, prestigious institutions would not even interview me. And when I applied to Google, the recruiter had said the same thing, that they don't take DOs. But at this point in my career, I was determined to change that. And it's amazing how now knowing your story that like you're almost a trailblazer getting hired at Google being a DO with no prior record of them taking uh, DOs and they have not even interviewed anybody. Uh, so how was the journey like if from a point where you were uh, like when you were uh, not interviewed by the prestigious institutions, you kind of let it go, but then you got the courage to kind of educate them. And how did you go about doing that? Yeah, Vidya. So my first reaction when I was told by the recruiter that uh, Google would not uh, hire a DO, I was angry and I really wanted to report them. But then I talked to a friend who said, why don't you educate Google? 
And so I created a PowerPoint presentation on osteopathic medicine. And I talked about all of the DOs who had been doctors to presidents, surgeon generals of the army, and even the doctor of Martin Luther King Jr. was a DO. Osteopathic medicine also has a, um, uh, uh, was part of the women's suffrage movement and also of the civil rights movement. And in the US, one in 10 doctors is a DO. So it's a very noble you know, profession. I asked for a call to present my PowerPoint presentation to Google. And instead they were so impressed that they scheduled an interview immediately and I ended up getting the job. And you know, this is an example of how DOs and MDs are equal. I was sitting next to the Stanford trained doctor making the same exact salary at Google. So to me, that was a big success. Wow, that is definitely very impressive. And you're definitely a trailblazer, um, not just for you know, uh, students interested in pursuing DO or MD, but students uh, interested in pursuing um, you know, not the traditional clinical pathways that physicians end up pursuing. So that is very inspiring, uh, definitely a very inspiring underdog story. Uh, one of the things that I remember when I was applying to medical schools was um, the prestige factor that your patients will be concerned about where you went to school or where you went for residency. And I learned that that is uh, so further away from truth that I never had a patient ask me where I went to medical school or where I did my residency. Uh, I'm curious to know if you had any experiences with that, um, you know, from your patients or from your colleagues. Um, so if you can tell, little, tell us a little bit more about that. I have had some patients over the years that would not see me because I was a DO. And um, that was really hard for me, Anish. I uh, live currently um, near Washington, DC, just near Georgetown University, which has an MD medical school. And a few years back, a nurse came in to see me and she seemed very uncomfortable at her visit. And I didn't know why. And she was referred by a friend who was a physical therapist. And you know, I, I, I didn't know what I did wrong. But later she emailed me to tell me that she didn't realize I was a DO until she came in and saw my, um, my uh, license on the wall and that she would not return. So you can imagine what a blow that is. So I you know, had to kind of talk myself down and I realized that I had done the best to help the patient. And unfortunately it didn't matter to her, but it was a lesson to me and to anyone that there are always gonna be people who don't like you in any profession you choose. And my job as a doctor is not to convince anyone that I'm qualified to be their doctor. And it, my job is not to help every single person either. My job is to help the people who trust me and that's all I can do. And I hear that it comes from a lot of experience going through these challenges and coming to that mat uh, maturity uh, with that level of understanding. Uh, and what would you tell someone like uh, like medical students or, or residents or young attendings uh, uh, who um, also face these hurdles because it is tiring to have to prove yourself all the time and you're not equipped with all that you need to deal with this. It's not taught in medical school or residency. I agree, Vidya. It is exhausting to try to prove yourself all of the time. 
luckily, I think there is less discrimination of DOs presently, but you know, some DOs will face this discrimination. And what I've learned over the years is that I was proving myself to others because I felt like the underdog. But what I really needed to do was prove myself to me. My opinion of myself is the only one that matters. And I work hard every day to practice medicine with compassion as well as science. And I strive to live my truth and am proud of my actions every day. So hopefully others will see me as equal, but it's okay if they don't. Because I know that I'm living the best version of me and I'm happy and that's all that matters. That is absolutely true. I think uh, fulfillment is something that we often overlook in pursuit of the prestige factor and our perceptions of how we stand in the society uh, based on our academic or professional um, you know, uh, successes. But I think the best advice which, which you gave Dr. Shah was finding something that you can love you would love to pursue and something that you find fulfillment in. I think that is definitely a, a very key point. And I think this uh, discussion also raises a point that I think the, the discrimination against DOs, um, unfortunately, is uh, more on a system-wide or a healthcare system level than more so than just, you know, perceptions of few physicians. Um, so I think the next question we wanted to know was, what do you think healthcare systems or for that matter, you know, physician colleagues can do to make, uh, to lessen this discrimination and instead, instead of competition um, and creating unnecessary complexity to focus more on a collaborative environment um, with the ultimate goal of being patient care. Um, so what do you think, you know, physicians can do to work be together better and helping each other out? Sure, so in terms of the systems, what I would say is, the DO is going to provide the exact same amount of return as the MD, right? In terms of financially, in terms of quality, in terms of care, I think that DOs and MDs are equal in that regard. So to a system, it shouldn't be um, an, an issue of discrimination, but we know that it does exist. Um, in terms of colleagues, I think we all have to remember that at the end of the day, we all studied medicine and we all have the same common goals, and that's to provide care to our patients. So think of MDs and DOs as equals with a common mission. And remember that you accomplish so much more working together than you would ever accomplish working alone. And that's an awesome um, message with uh, the fact that like you can go farther if you go together if you want to go faster go alone and we definitely want to go farther in medicine taking care of our patients and now uh, moving on to a different topic here uh dr shah like you have been doing all these interesting things in your career uh, uh like you run free clinics and now you're like doing solo practice in a day and age where many people are moving away from solo practice and practices are being taken over by hospitals. And, and, and we are also hearing a lot of things about like physician burnout and, uh, and career dissatisfaction where providers are not encouraging their younger uh, uh, folks to come into medicine. So 
can you tell us more about uh, how uh, you came up with this idea of your own solo practice and in this times and uh, and also you do a lot of speaking engagements. So can you take us on your journey with that? And to be honest, I think I burned out from family medicine just a few years after residency, which I think is very common. And I always loved the skill of OMT, the osteopathic manual treatment. And I was just always amazed that my hands could relieve someone's pain without medication. And uh, during medical school, we were often told about these old time physicians who would practice them by themselves in rural areas. And they had great relationships with their families and with their community. And my own aunt and uncle live in a small um, town in Gujarat, and they are the only doctors for, you know, 100, 100 miles. So I was always fascinated by that. But I was also familiar with how psychotherapists run very small practices with small offices and no employees. And so I thought in order to uh, create my solo practice that I would combine these two concepts and so far it's worked. So I have uh, more time treating patients. I have more intimate relations with patients. I get to know their families and it's very fulfilling. And because I'm fulfilled in my practice, I'm able to also work on creative projects that I love, such as writing and speaking. So when you're fulfilled in your job, it creates more room and opportunity to bring out the creative side in you. And that's what I've found. Uh, that's amazing, Dr. Shah. You're doing some amazing work out there. Uh, definitely, a, a, definitely a very, uh, you know, definitely an underdog who overcame great odds and, you know, made uh, a fulfilling career out of medicine, which is something that we're all in search of. Um, I think that you not only were able to do that for yourself, um, you know, I know that you're doing it for others. Um, I know you started, uh, you're starting to help other clinicians figure out how to start a micro practice. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? I have had a micro practice or a solo practice for the last uh, nine years, and there are so many benefits. I have a small patient panel. I get to spend more times with more time with patients, and I see fewer patients per day. And so I've decided to create a course to teach the basics of how to start your own micro practice, but also the pitfalls, because we know that most small businesses fail. So um, I've been doing this uh, with one-on-one -on -one with different people from different specialties, including plastic surgeons, primary care physicians, um, subspecialty practices like endocrinology, and those that practice medical procedures like the OMT or medical acupuncture. Um, some of these people have telemedicine practices 100% of the time, and others are in the office or have a hybrid model. And it's just been amazing because I think the way to create a sustainable practice is to start small and grow when you're ready. And that is right out there, like the dream practice I would love to have one day. So I'll definitely be looking out for some help and guidance from you, Dr. Shah. Uh, and as we are getting to the end of our interview, what was, words of wisdom would you like to leave for the pre-medical students, medical students, residents, and physicians in osteopathic medicine who are listening to our podcast? 
I do want to say that while you may feel like an underdog, you are not an underdog. I want you to remember that. You are so much more than that. Just take a look at the big picture, right? So as physicians, our prospective physicians, your purpose in life is to serve others by helping human suffering. Very few people have that, right? Your desire is to make the world a healthier place. And you want an abundant life for yourself and your family. I believe that you will be able to realize that dream as a DO or as an MD. And if it's the right choice for you, I know you won't be, be able to regret the decision to become an osteopathic physician. Wow, those are some very inspiring words, Dr. Shah. I wish we could continue this episode for a longer period of time because we're learning so much from you and, and your story is so inspiring. Uh, but, you know, we'll save that for another episode. Uh, but, you know, I think, um, you know, a lot, of the, um, a lot of the members listening to this podcast might be curious in regards to, you know, reaching out to you and learning more about your inspiring work. So what's, what are some of the ways they can, they can touch base with you? Sure, I'm happy to talk to anyone. My private practice, my solo practice is in Northern Virginia, just outside of Washington, DC. And my website is drpurvishah.com, D-R-P-O-O-R-V-I-S-H-A-H.com. Thank you so much, Vidya Anish, for having me. Pleasure to have you, Dr. Shah. Thank you for being our guest, Dr. Shah. It was a great learning opportunity, even for both of us, getting to know more about you. Anish and Vidya, thank you so much for having me and I wish you the best. Thank you. Thank you. Some key take-home points from this episode. Please remember to take care of yourself while in medical school, residency, or if you're an attending. This is one of the most valuable habits uh, that one can develop, which serves a great purpose throughout your career. Remember that medicine is a lifelong journey. Your focus should be on finding things that are meaningful and fulfilling for you. Your degree is not the determinant of your success. It is your attitude, hard work, and dedication that ultimately determines your life path. When situations don't work in your favor, instead of being reactive, try to educate other parties involved to get them on the same page to be successful. Trying to make everyone happy is an endless pursuit and tiring. Instead, striving to be the best version of yourself is a reasonable goal one can have. Thank you for listening to the Underdog Physician Podcast. As you go by your week, no matter how challenging your journey, we want you to remember that you are an awesome individual. If you loved listening to this podcast, please subscribe. Take a moment to leave a review in the podcast platform you are listening to us from and share with others on social media. Please do not forget to tune into our next episode. We are curious to know your underdog story. Please post in the comment section. Until then, Namaste. Namaste.